great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome in to the uh, second hour of the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. We'll continue to laugh at the Falcons, get ready for Monday Night Football, and talk Raging Cajun football. Joining me now, former Raging Cajun defensive in, uh, former color analyst through this year, just with COVID, scheduling-wise, travel, the fact that he doesn't live here, um, it wasn't able to work out, but... Make no mistake about it, he is still very tied into the program and uh, follows the Cajuns uh, football team and has, since he graduated, as closely as about anybody, that being Mr. Chris Alano. Good morning, Chris. Happy Monday, dude. How are you? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you doing? The Cajuns are 2-0. and They're ranked 19th in one poll, 25th in the other. They were a 17-point favorite. They only won by three. Was there a moment in the game Saturday where you said to yourself, I think the Cajuns are going to lose this game? I don't like to think about that too early in the football game, but there was a moment I believe everybody would agree with uh, on the last drive. Well, the second to last offensive drive before the half on the fourth down play uh, where we got the ball out to Devin Pauley to convert on that critical fourth down. Now, I don't know if, Billy Napier saw something on the defense where he thought he had a play lined up if they were to go into fourth down, or I don't know if that was just more of a sign of desperation now or just frustration. Now, for me, I remember thinking at the time I would have gone for it because for me, I was just frustrated as a fan. At that point, I was frustrated. I I felt like we needed to get some sort of momentum going into half. So that in terms of, feeling like when we were going to lose the game, I, I can't really pin that on a, on a specific play or a specific moment during the course of that game, but that was the one time where I felt like we had a ch- real chance to win the football game, per se. It was, you know, <laughs> Coach Napier told me last hour, he said he he, he kind of downplayed it for a second, but then basically what he said was, yeah, it, it probably was the biggest play of the game. I mean, it felt in that moment Nothing was just going right. Everything felt like, um, you know, just you were moving a boulder uphill, you know, like every inch. It was just how do you how do you turn this momentum around? How do you get this boulder to the top of the mountain so it starts going downhill and you can ride some momentum? And, uh, you know, Levi just made some happen there. And Coach Napier said, look, you got a lot of young receivers. They're not all out there doing the right thing necessarily on that play. And he said necessarily just, no, and, you know, and, but, but he, he meant basically yeah. some of these guys are not running the right routes. No, and give it to the guy who caught the football, Devin Pauley, who you can make an argument it might be fifth or sixth on the depth chart on the wide receiver position. I mean, the guy never quit on the play. Uh, Levi, he had to reverse course uh, going from his left to his right all the way to the right sideline to get open. And Levi did a good job of just keeping his eyes down the field. He had to elude the rush early on, which he was under duress for most of that game uh, against a three-down lineman front, which was a little bit, you know, head-scratching. Georgia State was just able to get pressure 
And that's another topic we'll probably get into later on is the, how shaky the offensive line has been the last couple of weeks. But hopefully we got all the kinks out. Uh, you're supposed to make your biggest improvements from week one to week two. But offensive line-wise, uh, we we, we got to get a lot of things sorted out if we want to continue to win in, in this league. You know, let, let's, let's go right there then, uh, Chris, because you um, were not the only one. But you did feel like the offensive line could be even better than it was last year. And me and others were like, well, you know, you lost two guys. I'm, I mean, look, you know that too, right? You had two guys that got drafted in the second and fourth round. Like, how are you going to be better? But you, you know, you pointed to all the reasons why you felt that way. And there were some Cajun old linemen that said the same thing. And that might prove to be true. Uh, and certainly they look good in the second half. But through two games, it sounds like you have a little bit of concern. Well, not only you lose two guys in the NFL draft, but one of them started yesterday in Kevin Dotson. You know Robert Hunt, his time is going to come. Not really too sure if he played yesterday for the Miami Dolphins, but you know as, a, as an early second-round pick, he is going to eventually become a starter at some point. So two studs in the NFL, I mean, it was the best tandem, maybe the best tandem we'll ever see in a Rage Cajun uniform at the right guard, right tackle position. But I always thought, with the addition of Ken Marks coming back, who got injured a year ago, uh, moving Max Mitchell from the left side to the right side. Now, I thought Cole Prudham would be back by uh, this point. Apparently, he's not healthy, and I, I think it's very important. Uh, a guy like Shane Vallow, who I like, is a great kid, but but let, let's face it, he's not a very big athlete, and times now, they're opposing teams are seeing him as the as the weakest link. They're tr- They're going head up on Shane Vallow and trying to get one-on-one isolations against him. And he's getting beat sometimes. And uh, a lot of times last year we saw Kevin Dotson, he kind of uh, disguised those miscues, helping him out along his right hip. But I I think uh, it's going to be very telling to see if Cole Prudham gets back healthy later on in the season. I think Robinson, the transfer out of Arizona State, has been struggling a little bit. And even Ken Marks as well. It just looks like uh, he could have used a little bit of spring action to try to get things back in the gear. I I just think a lot of our guys, when you watch them just on -on one-on-one isolation blockings, they're getting beat. They They are getting beat at the line of scrimmage. And um, I'm sure Rob Sale is gonna um, is gonna work with that unit, try to get things back in order for next week. Now we're still trying to figure out who our left tackle is. We've seen Spencer Garner come in a lot and replace Robinson at the left tackle position, and we've been rotating a lot of guys. I mean, we we are not set, and who are on who our five starters along the offensive line are going to be for the course of the season. ESPN1420and.com. What was the biggest difference from the first half to the second half? Because Elijah Mitchell, 17 rushing yards in the first half, finished with a buck 64, a couple of touchdowns, including the walk-off winner. And he, you know, he didn't get into, uh, you know, inside baseball terms as it pertains to football. He basically just kept it simple and said, offensive line made adjustment. They got it done in the second half and we got it going. Well, I'll tell you right now, it had nothing to do with the adjustments I think we necessarily made in the second half. I thought it had a lot to do with depth. Um, We were the much deeper team, and we rotated guys a lot along the offensive line. And plus, you have to understand, we have three running backs rotating, getting equal amount of opportunities to run the football. So I think we're able to carry that same uh, fight, that, that same effort, 
the course of four quarters. I mean, that's how our team is built, especially along the offensive and defensive fronts that we possess. We have a lot of depth up front. Now, not very, uh, not a whole lot of depth at the linebacker position, but we'll get to that later. But I just think we were able to pound, uh, ground and pound Georgia State's defensive front for uh, four quarters. It took a couple quarters, you know, because they came in first game of the season, very excited, very jubilant. But over time, it just seemed to wear on them. Those three running backs were just, uh, once they started making contact with these Georgia State players, they were starting to fall back instead of forward. But you got to give a lot of credit to them. So I think that had a lot more to do with it, with just the overall depth that we possess against the Georgia State team. Chris Lano, our guest, ESPN1420.com, analyzing the state of Rage Cajun football. They are 2-0. and uh, What... what what part of the game were you pleased with? Basically, was there any aspect of the Cajuns' play that you were pleased with from start to finish on Saturday? Well, I mean, the effort is there. Um, I didn't really necessarily like the defensive philosophy we had going into the football game. It took about a quarter and a half where I, I started figuring out exactly what we were doing. Wherever the back lined up along with the wingman, we would slant towards the wing away from the back. Now, I, I don't know. Now, there's something maybe they had shown all last season, but Georgia State, they picked up on that, and they started going away from the slant, running the football, and it became a numbers game where we had uh, so, so many guys on one side of the football, they just outnumbered us on the other side, and they picked up on that midway throughout the second quarter. And we, we got away from that in the second half where I'm thinking – our guys are just better up front than Georgia State. Zion Hill, uh, Tylen Humphrey, Andre Jones, and uh, Chauncey Manek, if you just allow them to fit the offensive line, uh, uh, just play up front, you give them a two-gap responsibility, and they're just better that way. They can beat their man up front. So that's what we started doing in the second half, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that uh, the rest of the season. But, you know, I, I was pleased with, Levi Lewis, the way he started to survey the field as the game went along, I think he has shown to be somebody, especially this year in the two weeks, that you got to get him going a little bit, whether it's the quick screen outs to begin the football game where he, the quick outs to the wide receiver with this little bubble screen plays that we did a lot of last year. Try to get his arm a little bit, you know, give a little life to his arm early on, get him going, get the flow going for him. But I feel like we've gotten away from that the last two weeks. Uh, you know, instead just trying to throw the ball down the field, you know, get his arm and get a little life to him early on in the football game. But he does a, he did a good job of surveying the football field as the game progressed. And to me, that was his biggest strength last year where, you know, if his, if his number one target was not there, he was able to move to his number two and his number three. I thought that was his biggest improvement as the game as the season went along all of last season now you know he just he's been in a little bit of a funk lately it just seems like he's sitting there like a sitting duck in the uh in the pocket he looks at one guy and if this guy's not there he's just maybe having a hard time trying to figure out where to where to navigate and where to go to next you Chris, how much improvise. of that how much of that do you think is just you know the all the receivers that they lost, whether it be from a season ago and to injury, how much do you think of that is the inexperience well, of receiver? It has a lot to do with that, and you can't necessarily blame it on the spring because you look at this receiving core with Dante Fleming and Lacey; those guys wouldn't have been in the spring anyway. 
so they had to pick up on everything in the fall camp regardless because those two freshman wide receivers are getting the majority of the snaps. So I think losing a Khalif Gossett and a and a um and and who was the other uh, Jamal Bell player that we lost Jamal Bell, Bell Jamal Allen, Bell you lose Jamal yeah. Bell and you Khalif Gossett I think that's where we're, we're suffering the most you lose you lose those two veteran wide receivers I think Levi had a great rapport with those two guys uh, in, in the last couple of seasons so I think we're hurting from that early on but as the as the season progresses you're going to start to see this receiving core feeling a little bit more comfortable with Levi Lewis. Chris Leno, our guest. The linebacker played through the first two games. Uh, no Joe Dillon Saturday was out with an illness, didn't make the trip. They set out a precaution. Coach would not give more details on it Saturday or this morning. Overall, um, you know, he he, he mentioned Chauncey Manack having a big game on Saturday. Uh, Farad Gardner, National Player of the Week, Week 1. McCaskill with a big sack on Saturday. Uh, is Has the linebacker play been as good as, as many think it's been to this point through two games? Well, here's my thing about the linebacker play. I think we have very good starting linebackers, but we don't have a whole lot of depth. And that was my biggest concern going into this year. I always thought that in the, in the spring or late fall, we were going to sign a JUCO linebacker to come in and play right away. But, you know, we, we like these young uh, cats that didn't play last year that are, are qualified to play this season. A lot of unknown names still. Uh, a lot of football left to be played to figure out who these guys are. And that's just, you know, that's the disappointing thing about not playing spring. You couldn't figure out who those guys were going to become and who, who, who were they going to be. Uh, no one had an opportunity to really take the uh, bull by the horns and, and, and become that second or third string linebacker or even that number three linebacker. So as much as I like McCaskill and Farrar Garner, if one of those guys goes down, I mean, we're we're in a, in a conundrum at linebacker position as well as those guys have played the last couple of weeks. I think we had a hard time at the linebacker position of maintaining leverage. And that, that was one thing that was very glaring. I think McCaskill made a few of those mistakes uh, last game that just – getting a little bit too anti and peeking inside. You've got to be disciplined. I thought it was poor execution in the first half from our defensive players, especially along the linebacker position. But overall, I think those two are all some bell caliber players. But again, not very deep, very thin at, at the position. It's going to be interesting to see the type of depth that we create as the season goes. Chris Lano. Our guest, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather, the Raging Cajun alum, breaking down uh, the Raging Cajuns. And, Chris, I know you've got uh, high standards for this program. Certainly they do for themselves. They feel like they can run the table. Uh, they're 2-0. They get ready for Georgia Southern. And you mentioned earlier Georgia State <clears throat> doing some things offensively that perhaps they had shown on film last year and then making an adjustment early. And the Cajuns making adjustments late in the first half, and then into the second half. That's a long-winded way of asking you, not having film on Georgia State um, in terms of this season, having a little bit of film on Georgia Southern, but they were without 33 players in that win. It was a weird game, and you know what Georgia Southern wants to do offensively, but in terms of game planning and preparing for an opponent, because of the novelty of this season, how difficult? How much more difficult do you think it was both Saturday and will be this Saturday when it comes to preparing for an opponent and actually being able to study some film to try to pick up on some tendencies that they're doing right now this season? 
Okay, well, let's focus on last Saturday. I mean, the optics of it going into last Saturday, I, I didn't like at all. They had a lot of distractions throughout the week, and we're a team that's not necessarily – I wouldn't say we're not used to handling success, but we've never been in a, in a position to handle that, torp of na- that, that sort of national success where all the national recognition – that we had received throughout the course of the week with all the national interviews and the national awards, uh, not only down to our players, but our, to our coaches as well with Patrick Tony receiving the national award for the best coordinator, uh, uh, performance of the week. And, you know, Billy Napier, he's not, he's got to do all those interviews. He's, you have to, for the program and for recruiting purposes, nobody's blaming him for that. I mean, that's great. And Billy Napier, he's been around. He knows how to handle that sort of stuff. It's trying to relay the message to his players that have never been in that sort of position. So, And you're going against a Georgia State team that you felt like Georgia State, they knew a lot about us, but we knew nothing about them, especially as with a freshman quarterback coming into play. We, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what type of talents he had. Uh, at the quarterback position. We didn't know where his strengths and weaknesses were. It took a half to figure that out. Now he can really sling it and he and Brown for Georgia State is going to be a heck of a player yeah. going forward. But that, I mean, that, that was the problem. Now Georgia Southern, they've got a 21 year starting quarterback in Shy Awards. You know, he's been there forever. And so we, we know a lot about him. And you go back a year ago, you felt like running the football against Georgia uh, Southern. You know, we could have done that at will, but there were times we felt like we were getting too cute with the ball and throwing it, and it put ourselves in bad position. Uh, I think the issue, Scott, so far in the first two weeks of this year, what's our identity on offense? I don't think we've yet really established an identity. I mean, are we a ground and pound team to try to set up the play action? Uh, are we are we more of an RPO offense to allow Levi Lewis, who's a smart quarterback to improvise and make decisions on his own as the game goes along. I think we're having issues trying to identify exactly what we are, but hopefully we get it together against Georgia Southern because a 15 point favorite from what I saw, I think last night against Georgia Southern with shy Wartz coming back. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, hopefully this team, we're not looking at, um, you know, all, all the, uh, all, <laughs> we're not focused on all the optics going in and we're just, focus on winning a football game in front of our home fans. And it, it's going to be a good contest against a good, well-coached team for Coach Chad Lunsford. And he's going to have his team prepared, ready to go. Chris Lano, our guest, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. Only a few more for you, Chris. We appreciate you taking the time, man. Um, I know you got to get to work. Uh, what What is, in your opinion, the biggest key to Saturday's game, this Saturday? I think the biggest key for me is, is field goal kicking. I mean, we're not going to go much further in this league if we cannot guarantee three points inside of, let's say, 35 yards. And I, I don't know um, if Snyder is going to continue to be our starting kick. Now, I will say this now, and I'm sure you noticed this too, Scott. On the last couple of extra points that he kicked, they looked good. They looked pretty. They, they came off the foot pretty crisp. It was right down the middle. It had a good spin on it. So hopefully that's a good sign going forward. Uh, but, you know, you miss so many early on in your season. It, it tends to become mental and get in your head. But he looked good kicking those extra points later in the game against Georgia State. And I think that's going to be the number one key 
You know, you're going to have to make field goals at some point, especially when you go on the road to get to an Appalachian State or even an Arkansas State when you play at home. But just focus on this week against Georgia Southern, who's a heck of a football, football team. At some point, you're going to have to rely on three points. And three points, it's not just three points. It's a momentum shifter. If you don't make those guaranteed field goals, just the morale of the football team, it carries over. And you saw that against Iowa State a little bit. And you saw it a little bit last week where it could just almost be just like a it, – it, it percolates down the down the course of, of the football team, across the football team, and it just – you know, you, you lose a little bit of momentum. And I think uh, that's just so important. You've got to get those guaranteed points at some point in this season. I think it's – whatever the next field goal is, not extra point, he's it, – it, it's got to go through. You know, look, Saturday it was forty. It was forty-seven yards, and and I think if he misses that, but didn't miss a twenty-seven and thirty yarder the week prior, it's just like okay, you know, it was long. He missed it, whatever. It's forty-seven, but wherever it is on the field, twenty-five, thirty-five, forty-five. He for this for him and for the team. You talk about mental and pressure and things like that. Whenever he trots out for that next field goal, not extra point, that next field goal. And if that's against Georgia Southern, so be it. He has to knock it down. And I think if he doesn't, then maybe you start seeing Almendares. But I think for him mentally and for the team uh, and their psyche, the next field goal, you could say, oh, it's the next field goal is always the biggest one. No, not always. But in this case, it absolutely is. In this case, right. And I think you and I agree, if it doesn't go through, and even a 40-yarder, I mean, you got to make the 40-yarders. Yep. There's going to be a change. You've got one more shot, and I think not only just uh, the team itself, the players. You owe it to the players, and you owe it, and you owe it to us. You owe it to the fans. <laughs> you know, you got to make those field goals, and if you can't uh, come through in the clutch on the very next try, I think you said it best. You've got to make a change. Yeah, look, the the young man, um, all of his teammates, coaches say he's he's awesome. He's working hard. You know, I'm obvious. You know, I think we're all rooting for him, obviously, and uh, and for him, I, I really hope that he's able to knock it down. But, uh, but with that, Chris, we'll let you run, man. Always love the, uh, the candid analysis. And I know you've got high expectations for this football team. Um, and so, you know, for folks that are saying, man, he, he might be critical of an area here or there. I, I think Chris, you know, I think you'd agree with me. This, this team has a chance to be the best in program history. They've got some work to do. Uh, they've got some areas of concern on the team to do that, but that's the standard you're holding this team to. So when you're breaking well, it down and analyzing it, it's that you know there, there's a lot of things that this team's doing well, but you're not uh, you're not you're not going to be you're going to be a homer when you're cheering for this team. Uh, I think I I think I know you well enough to know that. But when it comes to analyzing this team, uh, you're going to break it down just like you see it. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that. It's at the end of the day at I'll celebrate. I'll celebrate a win. But I think like many others who are out there, this team, this this culture, this fan base is starving for a contender. And if we want to be known as the big boys, if we want to play big boy football, okay, if we want to be a part of top 25 football, you got to start showing some tough love. And you got to be critical in certain at certain aspects and certain points, parts of this football team. And that's, and that's what I try to do. I try to break that down. And I know – you know, it, it's not a negative approach. It's more of a half-empty type uh, mentality. But 
you know, it, it's, it, it is what it is. And I only want to get better as the season goes along. You know, it's one thing to pat yourselves on the back. Oh, this was great. This was good. But you got to improve on the areas where you may suffer some if you want to continue to, to trend upwards as the season goes along. And I, I think that's, I'm just trying to highlight those issues. And, um, so, you know, so I appreciate you pointing that out. But hey, you know, great football team. We did a lot of good things on Saturday. The effort was there. You know, we, the talent is there. We just got to start putting a few of the uh, pieces together. And if we can do that going forward, hopefully starting this Saturday, you know, we've got a lot of good things to look forward to for the rest of the season. Chris, man, look forward to talking to you more uh, coming up throughout the season. In the meantime, I'll let you get into work. I know you're sitting in the parking lot being nice to me. Uh, tell your boss I'm sorry, but we always appreciate the time. <laughs> No, not only that, we're monitoring this hurricane as well to see what we're going to do going forward. Stay so, safe, man. Stay you know, safe, brother. Will do. Take all care, right, Chris. Guys. All the best, man.